Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. Christina Giuliani, welcome to Around the Table. Thank you. You are a biological anthropologist at the University of Bologna, and you've been working on the physiology of taste. Can you say something about what taste is from a scientific perspective? Taste perception is a very complex trait because it is influenced by cultural and biological factor and uh, it modulates and shapes our food preferences and choices. Taste is not simply eating or drinking or sensing flavor in food or drink, Um, It is a sort of sensory modality to evaluate food toxicity, uh, to select high-energy foods, and to prepare the body to extract energy from foods. From a physiological point of view, molecules from foods bind to receptor cells located in the oral cavity. Uh, We know from scientific literature that there is a big number of receptors uh, and genes uh, involved in taste perception. Uh, For example, bitter, sweet, salty, umami, fat, uh, and also to sense spicy foods and temperature. So, taste receptors are encoded by the genes for them and cover almost the entire range of things we can taste, as well as temperature. And temperature can influence how we perceive the taste of something, right? And if I've got this right, they've evolved to help us to seek energy from food and to avoid potential toxins, although our taste preferences for different types of food can be trained. Exactly. Well, Christina, that's fantastic. We've written a paper together um, in which we've described taste as being a kind of ecological sensing, that there are so many different senses and taste is just one of them. Can you say some more about ecological sensing and in its relationship to taste? Yes, sure. Uh, Recent publications show that taste receptors are located in many different tissues and organs of our body. Uh, the discovery at the first sight was difficult also to, to, to interpret also by the scientific community. Uh, why a cell, for example, of the immune system should have a receptor for testing nutrients? Um, but now we know that these receptors are able uh, to bind many different molecules, not only nutrients and foods. An example is made uh, by one beta receptor named TAS2R30A8 that is expressed in the oral cavity but also in the upper respiratory airways. It has been demonstrated that these receptors bind bitter compound such as PTC, uh, that is a chemical substance, and um, the natural counterpart of PTC is coffee bitterness. So, if I've got this right, the example from the bitter taste receptor TAS2R38, something that scientists now know a lot about, isn't just located in the mouth, but it's located all over the body, and the same is true for other taste receptors. And these taste receptors have different roles beyond simply tasting foods. And the capacities of these sensors vary from person to person, Uh, right? Exactly. Genetic variability plays a major role in sensing this compound. 
on the basis of genetic variability of only three single variants, we can divide individual in non-taster, uh, that are people who do not perceive the bitter in these compounds, uh, taster and super taster, that are people that sense a very strong bitter taste. This genetic variability has been described also in different human population. And for example, only a small proportion of people, around 3% in certain population in Africa, are non-taster. While in Asian population, this frequency arise and increase to 20 and 40%. We know that in the respiratory tract, the same receptors plays a role, then we can call off uh, surveillance from pathogens. It is uh, able to bind the small molecule that usually bacteria produce them to communicate to each other. These molecules are called for quorum sensing, and thanks to the activation of this receptor, the organism can start a proper response to this against it and toward these pathogens that colonize the human respiratory tract. Okay, so if I understand what you're saying correctly, when this particular taste receptor, the bitter taste receptor, is activated in the respiratory tract, it combined with certain types of molecules that bacteria excrete, many bacteria that are potentially harmful, pathogenic, binding to these excreted molecules sets up an immune response against them, and so the body protects itself against a disease. Exactly. The fact that one receptor may exert many functions is called the pleiotropy. And this is a characteristic well studied in the evolutionary field because it's a sort of way to save energy. But this mechanism may be sometimes be tricky because if there is an impairment of uh, uh, proper ecological sensing, for example, uh, if you're living in an obesogenic environment, we can have a multi-level and systemic response in many different tissues that in turn can be detrimental for health. Okay, um, this should be good, but it isn't all good, especially in the present day environment, where there's a high risk of obesity because of lots of ultra-processed food that's high in sugar being commonly available. Eating too much sugar, for example, our taste sensors can be fooled to start an immune response without any pathogenic bacteria being around at all. It can set up an inflammation that can lead to heart disease or do tissue damage, as with type 2 diabetes, for example. Exactly. Exactly. This is correct. Can you tell me how interrelated are the different sensors that are involved in tasting food? I think that we can say that foods are not single chemical substances. They are made by so many molecules that can activate many receptors at a time, but also by colors, texture and smell and sociality as well. Uh, in Italy, for example, we say that the major form of love is to ask to someone, have you eaten something? But considering the physiology, based on the information that is uh, transported from the tongue to the brain, there are thought to be at least five basic uh, quality of taste uh, that are sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and soury. That is the so-called umami taste. 
which is somewhat similar to the taste of a meat broth, um, to, or to make an example, uh, to my country, Italy, is the umami, is the uh, taste of the famous uh, cheese, parmigiano. Uh, but also in recent times, also fat seems to be among them. So um, a lot of receptors able to sense fat, fat have been discovered. Moreover, there is another family of receptors called TRPs that are able to sense temperature that are activated by food such as spicy, chili pepper, mustard, garlic, or also menthol. Uh, but um, we have to remember that these receptors are activated not only by foods, but also by many other stimuli coming both from the external environment, like infection that we already said, but also from inside our body. As I said before, taste receptors and also chemosensory receptors are complex ecological sensors, which can be modulated by many stimuli from different systems and which orchestrate also interkingdom communications. And again, so we, we have this, this system of taste, which is, which is parsimonious, that uses uh, as little physiology and biochemistry as possible to be able to detect so many different things in the environment, uh, food among them. Now, can right. you tell me, uh, Christina, why is it important? I think that, first of all, for a practical reason, because uh, uh, interdisciplinary approach uh, are fundamental to study taste. Second, the fact that uh, uh, receptors and genes involved in taste perception are shaped for complex ecological sensing mean that their stimulation not only has an impact on gustatory perception and dietary behavior, but may have important influences on the immune, metabolic and also nervous system. An example is uh, the link we described in our recent paper together between taste, chemosensory receptor, and inflammation. Many studies show that inflammation may impact and impair the proper ecological sensing that in turn sustain the inflammatory process through human behavior. Now, Christina, I know that you're a super taster. Um, can you tell me what that means? And in everyday life, how does that influence what you eat and how you eat? The really important questions about food and how we eat, Christina. Yes, I discovered to be a super taster for bitter during my PhD when we made some experiment in tasting different substances. I taste PTC, the compounds that activate TAS2R. 38 bitter receptors and for me was disgusting it was a really terrible emotion all my colleagues perceived just a slightly bitter taste but for me was so intense and disgusting that i have to stop the test it was uh, in that moment that i realized to be a super taster for bitter and how does that influence what I eat? Uh, the first instinct is always, for me at least, to avoid some bitter substances or to mask them, adding sugar 
like in the coffee. But uh, uh, this may not be healthy, I know, uh, as many bitter substances are vegetable that have many benefits for health. Fortunately, I like cooking and I found many creative creative uh, ways to mask bitter in certain foods and to eat many vegetables in any cases. For example, if you cook uh, in the oven vegetables cut in small pieces um, with the top of breadcrumbs uh, or some Mediterranean herbs uh, and a layer of parmesan, bitter taste will not be a problem at all. Christina Giuliani, uh, we've gone from the physiology of taste to how to deal with taste if you're a super taster. Uh, thank you so much uh, for agreeing to talk to Around the Table. Thank you. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliajak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>